Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring Lena Horne, Harold Perry as the great Gildersleeve, plus Margaret O'Brien, Dane May Whitty, Bob Hope, and Clark Gable. And now, in answer to all the requests we've received, here once again is Miss Lena Horne. Along because to tell you the truth, I'll be lonely. I don't mind being lonely when my heart tells me you are lonely too. I'll walk alone. If they ask me, I'll tell them I'd rather. There are dreams I must gather. Dreams we fashion the night. popular Wednesday night broadcast on NBC was the situation comedy program The Great Gildersleeve, played by Harold Perry. And now let's join Gildersleeve and his little family in Somerville. At the moment, Gildersleeve is trying to read his evening paper, but his nephew, Leroy, won't let him. Hey, Uncle. I'm trying to read my paper, Leroy. <laughs> I just want to ask a question. Well, wait till I finish this article. It'll only take a second. Well, what is it, Leroy? Did you ever have a girl kiss you? Yeah. 
<laughs> Did you? Well, Leroy, I can't tell a lie. Why do you ask? Well, nothing. Did you ever go to a Halloween party? Oh, yes, lots of them. Did you ever go to one where they turned out all the lights? Well, not that I recall. <laughs> not exactly, anyway. Uh, is that what happened at your uh, party last night? Yeah. Well? I wound up under the stairs with Ethel Hammerschlag. <laughs> Little Leroy. Well, I guess he's growing up. <laughs> There's a question I've been wanting to ask you. Uh, he. <laughs> yeah, I knew the day would come. Uh, there's something I've been meaning to take up with you, my boy. Sit down. Sit down? What for? Well, this may take some little time. Okay, shoot. Uh, are you comfortable? Sure. I just wanted to ask this one question. If you'd just be quiet, my boy, I'll answer all your questions. Uh, this is a mighty big subject. Oh, gosh, you don't have to make a whole big thing out of it. It's the biggest thing in the world, my boy. Uh, let's see. Uh, how did you do in school today? All right, what's that got to do with it? It's nothing. Uh, let me see. Uh, Leroy, you know the story of Noah's Ark? Sure. Well, how did the animals go into the ark? Up a little runway. They went in two by two. Now... Why do you suppose Noah was so careful to have two of each? Because that's all there was room for. <laughs> Leroy, I wonder where you go from here. You don't see many Noah's arcs around anymore, do you, Unc? Why is that? The army's getting him, Leroy. <laughs> Let's try and stick to the subject. Well, I wanted to ask you... Just if... let me explain this in my own way, my boy. Okay, go ahead. There's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. Wish I knew the right way to do this. <laughs> now, where were we? Noah's Ark. Forget Noah's Ark. Uh, <clears throat> you've heard of the flowers, haven't you? Sure. <laughs> you've also heard of the bees, have you not? Yep. Yeah. Now, what are the bees doing when they're flying around in the garden? Making honey. Uh, very good, my <laughs> But that's not all the bees are doing. Uh, do you know what else they're doing? Stinging people. <laughs> that's not what I mean. Oh, I know what you mean. When the bees go into the flowers to get honey, they accidentally get pollen on their legs, and then when they go to the next flower, some of it comes off, and that's what keeps the flowers going. Well, is that a fact? <laughs> Leroy, where'd you learn that? Gosh, I learned that in the 6B. Yeah, well, that's all very interesting. Now let's get back to fundamentals. Okay. <laughs> but if you'd only just listen a minute, all I want Leroy, to know... Leroy, I wish you'd learn not to interrupt. Well, I only... There you go again. This is a very difficult question. I need your cooperation. Uh, <clears throat> has it ever occurred to you, my boy, to wonder where you come from? Peoria, Illinois. <laughs> I'm not speaking geographically, Leroy. I'm speaking uh, uh, indirectly. <laughs> Now, let's try again, will you? Uh, I wonder if you've ever heard a little poem. It used to be very popular when I was a boy. What's that? Oh, it's a very beautiful poem with a very lovely thought. What is it? Uh, where did you come from, baby dear? Out of the nowhere, into the here. Are you kidding? Leroy. 
ball, Monk. Oh? I woke up in the morning and looked upon the wall. There was a flea in a bed bug having a game of ball. Let's go, Governor. Ye gods, will you shut up and let me tell you what I'm trying to tell you? Sorry, Uncle. Go ahead. What I want you to understand is, I mean what I'm trying... Children should be seen and not heard. Go to bed, Leroy. But now, can I ask you this one I'd question? I'd rather that you would... Can I have a buck to go to the movies? No. Oh. Oh. Oh, well, I guess so, Leroy, if you won't ask any more questions. Gee, thanks. Uh, wait a minute. Since when have movies cost a buck? Well, I'm taking somebody. Taking somebody? Who? Ethel Hammerschlag. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to the Bijou. Well, go ahead, my boy. Here. Here's 80 cents. But, Uncle, with 80 cents, Ethel and I will have to sit in the balcony. Exactly, Leroy. One night in the Bijou balcony, and you can explain a few things to me. <laughs> the Armed Forces Radio Service Mail Call program featured most of the top stars in Hollywood. One of the rare radio appearances of superstar Clark Gable was on that program. Here's Bob Hope to introduce him. But a now mail call takes a great deal of pride in welcoming its next contributor. He's one of Hollywood's truly great stars, a wonderful guy, and a favorite with every single one of you, Clark Gable. Well, welcome to Mail Call, Clark. Thank you, Bob. The pleasure's all mine. Gee, isn't this wonderful? You know, a thing like this happens once in a lifetime. What do you mean? Well, after all, the two handsomest men in Hollywood have been... <laughs> At the same microphone. You know, now that we're standing right next to each other, I've noticed quite a resemblance between us. A resemblance? Sure, you're pretty tall, and I'm pretty tall. You've got brown eyes, I've got brown eyes, you've got a nice profile, and I can always get my nose fixed. <laughs> Bob, <clears throat> I'm sorry to introduce a serious note here, but uh, there's something I wanted to discuss with you. Well, gee, you really sound serious. Well, I am. Is there any place around here where two men could talk in private? Yeah, but I haven't got a key. <laughs> that you want to know, Clark? Well, I'd just like to ask you one question. Yes? How can I become a wolf? <laughs> you, know, you know what I thought you just said. I thought that you, Clark Devil May Care Gable, asked me, Bob, who cares hope? I thought you asked me to teach you to become a wolf. That's exactly what I asked you. This is the biggest upset in Hollywood since Crosby got that Oscar. <laughs> so you really want me to show you how to become a wolf, huh? That's right. I don't know where to begin. I've never had this much material to work with before. <laughs> but tell me, Clark, how did you happen to hear I was so popular with the girls? Well, don't try to act shy. It's all over town. Oh, really? Sure. Everyone says you're the number one ladies' man. Oh, well, please, I'd rather not talk about it. Well, all right. Oh, I'm willing to listen. <laughs> Come on, quit stalling, Bob. Let me in on some of your secrets. How did you ever learn so much about women? Well, I used to be rosin boy with Phil Spitalny and his all-girl orchestra. <laughs> be glad to give you any tips I can, Clark. Well, I'd appreciate it, Bob. Well, in the first place, there's a new trend. Women don't go so much for that rough, tough approach now. They don't? No, now they go for the Frank Sinatra type. It used to be love them and leave them. Now it's kiss them and collapse them. <laughs> well, I guess I could become a little gentler. And another thing, you might try being a little more sophisticated. Well, but, Bob, I thought I was sophisticated. Well, I just finished uh, reading three chapters of Forever Amber. <laughs> I started reading that, but gee, no pictures. I... <laughs> 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 
Bob, I was looking forward to a little more concrete aid, in the form, perhaps, of, uh, of a telephone number. A telephone number? Sure, you know lots of girls. Well, yes, but I make a practice of never giving away a phone number unless I get one in return. Well, that's fair enough. Here's a phone number right here. You'll like her, too, Bob. She's a big movie star. Oh, swell. Now I'll open my address book. <laughs> Don't get around much anymore. <laughs> now, now let me see what names I've got here. Say, here's one under the letter L. Lana? Turner? No, Lana Crowdfinder, smaller firm. <laughs> But I don't think you like her anyway. Oh, here's one. This is really swell. Is she beautiful? She's lovely, and here's her number. Great. I'll go call her right now. And why uh, don't we get together later? Oh, good idea. I'll get in touch with the girl you gave me, and we'll be seeing you. <laughs> Gee, imagine going out with a girl from Clark Gable's address book. Well, this is the, this is the right house here. I wonder what she looks like. Her voice sounded so romantic on the phone. Well, my tie is on straight. Here goes. Oh, hello. I have a date with a girl named May. That's me. <laughs> Dame May Whitty. Are you the Robert that called on the phone before? Well, yeah. I'm the Robert. <laughs> You said your last name was Taylor. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but as a matter of fact, there's quite a resemblance between Robert Taylor and me. Oh, really? Sure, he's pretty tall. I'm pretty tall. He's got brown eyes. I've got brown eyes. He's got a nice profile. And you can always get your nose fixed. <laughs> <laughs> she got a bigger laugh than I did. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry about this whole mix-up. Oh, that's all right. In fact... I've been most anxious to go out with a man of my own age. <laughs> well, I'll admit I'm not a kid, but as I think that a little maturity is what gives me my charm. As, as Shakespeare once said, how many things by seasoned, seasoned are? What else did he tell you that day? <laughs> I don't remember, but I can check with Crosby. <laughs> But we better move along. We have to meet another couple at the theater. Oh, really? Yes, I gave Clark Gable a phone number, and he's probably picking up his girl right now. Well, this is the address she gave me. I wonder what she looks like. Her voice sounded so romantic on the phone. Well, my tie's on straight. Here goes. Good evening. I'm Clark Gable. Hello, I'm Margaret O'Brien. <laughs> I can't understand this. Hope told me if I came over here, I'd have a date with a tall, stately, beautiful girl. You haven't, thank you. <laughs> Don't you remember me, Mr. Gable? I talked to you when you called before. Well, yes, but uh, well, you uh, sounded much older on the phone. I know. I was just using my Laurel Bacall voice. <laughs> if you want anything, just whistle. Well, I'm still a little mixed up about this, Margaret. Uh, how did you ever get acquainted with Bob Hope? Well, you see, when my mother and auntie go out at night... 
he gets 50 cents an hour for sitting with you. Mr. Gable, I'll go get my coat. Well, now, uh, wait a minute. I'm a little concerned about this date. Uh, maybe we ought to take along a chaperone. Well, all right. But I promise you, you'll be safe. <laughs> you know, Mr. Gable, you haven't said a word about my gown. Oh, I'm sorry, Margaret. It's really beautiful. Do you think it's too daring? <laughs> daring? It's my formal strapless rompers. <laughs> Come to think of it, it uh, might be considered pretty risque. Well, I run around with a pretty adult crowd. <laughs> no fooling. I don't want this to get around, but when my boyfriend takes me out riding, he steers with one hand. Why, that's dangerous. It certainly is. Yesterday, we almost fell off the scooter. <laughs> <clears throat> well, we have to meet another couple, so we better get started. And I hope you have a good time with me, Margaret. Oh, I know I shall. Do you want to make everything just perfect? Certainly. I'll do anything I can. Anything? Sure. Then for the rest of the evening, would, would you just call me Scarlet? <laughs> Well, Dame May, here we are at the theater. You see, it wasn't such a long walk for you after all, just 40 blocks. <laughs> yes, but at times I had to run pretty fast to keep up with you in that bus. <laughs> well, I kept leaning out of the window to point the way. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to meet another couple in front of the theater. Well, they'll be along in... Uh-oh, here they are now. Hello, Bob. Sorry to be a little late. Oh, that's all right. Dame May, I think you know uh, Clark Gable. Oh, yes. Uh, but Clark, I thought you were supposed to bring a girl with you. Look down here. <laughs> well, there's no use standing out here on the sidewalk. Let's uh, go in the theater. Oh, and Mr. Gable, you forgot to park our scooter. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Gee, that was cute, Margaret. The two of you came down on the scooter, huh? Yes, and I like Mr. Gable. Because he's a strong, silent type. He really is? Oh, yes. He just sat there quietly while I pushed him up the hill. Well, here I am, back again. Oh, well, before we go in the theater, what's playing here, Bob? Oh, gee, I don't know. Well, you picked out the theater. Don't you even know what picture they have? No, of course not. One picture is just as good as another. Oh, then let's go to the theater across the street. We will not. They're not showing the princess and the pirate there. <laughs> What's a princess and the pirate about? Well, Margaret, it's a fairy tale. I play the part of the hero and I marry the princess. Gee, I thought all the fairy tales had a happy ending. <laughs> well, I'll go buy the tickets. You wait right here. Oh, no, you don't have to buy tickets for any picture I'm in. I'll just go to the manager and get some passes. Oh, there he is. Now, I'll be back in a second. Oh, manager! Well, well, look who's here. Yes, yes, I'd like to go in and see my picture. Again? <laughs> Now, look, I've only... No lunch pail today? <laughs> now, look, you, there's nothing wrong with me coming to see my own picture. 812 times? 811, once I sat in the balcony with a girl. Now, do I? 
Uh, do I or don't I get in free? I'm sorry. The theater operator's code says quite clearly in Clause B, excommunicatus contemporad dictorum con moto valedictum fini. What does that mean? We gives no pass to one meatball. <laughs> Part you, and not only for that either, the princess the part is playing here, and you got pictures of Bing Crosby all over the lobby. Well, he's in the picture, too. He only has a small part. I'm the star of that picture. Give me one good reason why you got Crosby's picture all over the lobby. Because we're trying to make some money. <laughs> oh, is that so? Well, well, please, Bob, there's no need to make all this fuss. Come on, I'll buy the tickets. Oh, no, you don't. Why should you buy the tickets? But I insist. Nothing doing. Mar Margaret and Dane may have been working steady. <laughs> I wish you fellows would get this settled. Okay, it's settled. I'll pay. Oh, no, I'll pay. No, no, I'll pay. I'll pay. All right, you pay. Who, me? <laughs> oh, goodness, look at the time. What's the matter? It's 7.30. I have to go home now. Well, why do you have to be home so early? I have to get my beauty sleep. You know, us actresses, if we're not careful, somebody younger will step right into our shoes. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Well, that leaves just the three of us. Well, then, the three of us. Oh, my gracious. Isn't this Wednesday night? Well, yes. What about it? Well, every Wednesday night, there's a symphony concert at the Philharmonic. A concert? Yes. And tonight, I live. You mean? Yes. If no one stops me, I'm dancing with Toscanini. <laughs> well, there they go. Yep. It's just the two of us now. You got any more numbers? <laughs> nope. You got any more numbers? Nope. Well, what do we do? What can we do? Let's go up in the balcony and hold hands. <laughs> Before we write Finney to this program, here's a footnote from Clark Gable as he reads a few words that a very great man wrote. I loved the infantry, he said, because they were the underdogs. They were the mud, rain, frost, and wind boys. And in the end, they were the guys without whom the battle could not have been won. I remember sitting in the darkness of an invasion barge. Even the dizziest of us knew that before long, many of us stood an excellent chance of being in this world no more. I don't believe any of us was afraid of the physical part of dying. That isn't the way it is. The emotion is rather one of almost desperate reluctance to give up the future. That includes so many things. Things like seeing the old lady again, going to college, of holding your kid on your knee, of again becoming champion salesman of your territory. And yes, even of just sitting in the sun once more on the south side of a house in New Mexico. I never heard anybody say anything patriotic, the way the storybooks have people talking. I think it was just the application of plain, unspoken, even unrecognized patriotism. And the name of the fellow who wrote those words was a great man. One of America's greatest. His name was Ernie Pyle. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me next time for the golden days of radio. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service.